0: HD Smartcast You are listening to a mint production brought to you by HD
1: Smartcast.
2: Sure, Dr. Lakshman. Let me ask you to respond to many of these suggestions that have been placed by Mr. Mohan Kumar, uh, freeing up the land resources or monetizing the land resources, looking at the idea of defence bonds, and perhaps even looking at the idea of a cess. Uh, you know, which reminds one of the period of the cargill cess. Which of these do you think seem the most doable in terms of uh, you know building the framework that we do need to going into going into this year?
3: I think these are the issues which need uh, to be seriously considered. Uh, bond, I think, is not a very feasible idea because uh, bond issuing bond is basically uh, 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 delaying the c- current liability because in the future, somebody has to pay. So that liability cannot be postponed uh, uh, indefinitely. But I agree with uh, Mr. Mohan Kumar that land, uh, 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 which some armed forces are sitting on a uh, huge area, uh, can be monetized. In fact, there is a... Uh, comprehensive CAG report, uh, which talks about how much land is uh, misutilized or underutilized. I think a comprehensive plan needs to be worked out by the government and the surplus land uh, could be monetized. Uh, Another area that the Ministry of Defense or the Government of India could think of is disinvestment of the government-owned companies, particularly those companies which are under the Ministry of Defense. All the PACUs, uh, they they could be disinvested. In fact, some have already been disinvested and the rest could be uh, disinvested, that money can come back to the government. Uh, but the problem for the Ministry of Defence is that whatever money will come back will actually go to the Ministry of Finance, and there is apprehension that even the Ministry of De- Ministry of Finance may not actually part of you know, part away the the, the same amount to the Ministry of Defence uh, in its uh, budget. So that is a mm-hmm. uh, fear that the the Ministry of Defence has to actually uh, deal with. But I think the most uh, feasible idea solution to step up the defence uh, in the current uh, in the short term would be. To levy additional tax, so if I may say that we are presently paying around 10 rupees uh, uh, rupees cess uh, on every liter of uh, petrol and diesel. So extra 50 paisa or 25 paisa could actually move up around uh, five to six thousand crore every year, and that money can be given to the uh, Ministry of Defence and the Defence Forces for the capital uh, 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 upgradation. Uh, so. I think these are the the areas uh, which uh, the the good part is that the uh, 14th Finance Commission, which was actually tasked specifically to find uh, new avenues to step up for defense modernization. And I hope uh, uh, the the Commission has already submitted its report to the government of India. And the next budget, uh, the union budget will be crucial because the finance minister will lay out uh, the the plan uh, uh, highlighting what measures have been actually implemented by the government from the finance commission so we have to wait and watch till february 1st to see how much um, uh, how many recommendations from the 14th finance commission are going to be implemented
2: of course of course but that's an interesting suggestion dr lakshman given the public opinion right now on petrol and diesel prices to add an additional cess i wonder how that will go down with the general public dr raji you know uh, we haven't even scratched the surface i think in terms of uh, the fact that we're dealing with an aggressor on multiple levels um how would you rate our preparedness in terms of AI or or space tech or uh, even on countering cyber crime which frankly has become a huge headache for the indian government and many other governments across the world uh, where would you rate our preparedness and what do you think needs to be done on those fronts
4: but i want to come in i will come on these two uh, these questions uh, that you raised but i think i also want to talk uh, uh, one when uh, narasimhan talked about you know uh, if we need money if we need more modernization yes we need but we we are in a good place That kind of reminded me of what General VP Malik, uh, the former Indian uh, Army chief, uh, went on to famously say during the Kargil war, that we will fight with what we have. But I think such an approach, uh, while facing a much larger and stronger force in China, which has become the most significant national security threat, i think will be uh, will be a serious danger uh, danger for india and i think that's uh, that's something that we need to kind of be mindful and second again when he talked about for instance we have deployments uh, on the sino indian border along the loc yes we do have deployments but i think there is a there is a difference in the indian focus for instance the indian focus has always been on thwarting essentially the large scale china attack and since the 1962 war, I think this has been the approach. Uh, there have been 10 mountain divisions that have been, cre- that has been created. Uh, was We were planning to create another strike corps. But again, we ran into resource issues and so on and so forth. And that was hopefully we will be back on that, uh, that track where sooner than later. But I think the problem has been that India has ha- had a very large force, but oriented towards preventing full scale attack. But the salami slicing... That that China has been doing in various parts of the, uh, uh, in other other conflicts issues zones as well. For instance, in South China Sea, they have been doing this in a much more effective manner. They have been doing on the Sino-Indian border, but not to the extent or the scale of the uh, current uh, uh, attack that we have seen. So salami slicing is something that India was not necessarily entirely prepared for. We were looking at our approach has always been. For preventing large-scale conflict, and that I think this is one lesson seriously learned. Because I think is that uh, India should remain prepared for not just small-scale, large-scale attacks, but salami slicing. And this time around, for instance, you have seen slicing, multiple slicing, and even thicker slicing. So we have had to reorient. Our um, ourselves are the armed forces to sort of a stop these kind of tactics and uh, this has been more difficult but i think there is so i i take the point that there is uh defense deployment but i think the orientation has been something slightly different uh when you look at uh, uh the indian armed forces on the question of the AI and uh, where we are and space technology, AI is 5G, g whole range of technology related issues. I think we uh, we are at an interesting place because I think uh, even on the AI front, uh, we do look at that technology in an important, uh, it's an important component of the, uh, but I think currently India still remains in the initial stages of development. There are specific AI sectors within the country. But I think in terms of the overall policies to support the growth and encourage innovation, I think they are still lagging behind. In fact, uh, 2018, uh, a Nitya ayog paper came out talking about many of these issues, but I, I, again, I don't think we still uh, sort of uh, sorted out through many of these problems, many of these issues. Uh, India clearly recognized AI as a technology of strategic importance, have worked on national AI strategies in a very um, uh, nascent stage. But I I think, and where we emphasize on, for instance, the responsible use of AI, acquiring high quality data ethically and so on and so forth, uh, along with issues such as data protection. And some of the sectors we are actually... Looking at uh, include, uh, for instance, agriculture, healthcare, and so on as so education, smart cities, but not so much in the, uh, in, the uh, in the in the military or the security sector. And I think this is where uh, China is beginning to have a bigger uh, uh, bigger uh, um, sort of uh, presence in a sense. China has been in this business for quite some time. Uh, they have a fair share of the market. But I think what should be more important uh, from an Indian national security perspective is that uh, China is, there is they are, look, China's leap in AI is not going to be just uh, limited to limited civilian sectors and they will move into the military sector as well. And I think that's where we need to be more careful. Uh, for instance, they have plans to apply uh, AI in security, important security sectors, such as the war domain, with uh, is especially on the naval warfare. Um, they have been researching quite a bit on this front. So I think these are the kind of uh, we purely kind of been focusing more from a civilian perspective, and I think that's uh, that's somewhat uh, sort of a limiting in nature because I think there are adversaries are looking at the employment of AI and some of the other technologies in a in a in a security context. And I think that's something that we need to be uh, more mindful of. Uh, on the space front, again, we are making uh, we are becoming uh, more attuned to the kind of changes that are taking. Place in the in the in in the Indo-Pacific neighbourhood, but also in a, across the globe in a sense. And I think that's where, for instance, the uh, India's demonstration of the anti-satellite capability was a clear a clear reflection of the kind of changing uh, security landscape in our in our own backyard. Uh, for instance, we, for a long longest period of time, we didn't look at ASAT or military space capabilities in any serious manner. But the um, Chinese anti-satellite test in two thousand seven sort of a, was a wake-up call for India to kind of do, um, to a uh, sort of the new threats that are emerging in our own backyard. But I think one demonstration of an ASAT capability that is not going to be good enough, and I think that's, uh, uh, I think the DRDO is, is mindful of some of these issues out there. They have talked about developing more counter space capabilities to deny the adversaries such as China or Pakistan um, the, any kind of advantage through the use of space. But I think we are still kind of uh, getting used to uh, sort of, a, because this goes against the very grain of Indian policy, which has articulated peaceful use of outer space and non-weaponization and so on and so forth. But in tune with the changing the security landscape, even within the space security sector, I think we have been uh, kind of forced to uh, re-evaluate our own strategy and uh, develop uh, appropriate military space capabilities in a sense.
2: Mm. Dr. Raji, you know I want to go back to the first part of your answer and th- the points you made about General Narsimhan's uh, observations. Yeah. Uh, given the situation as it stands, and these are not numbers that I'm manufacturing; they are available from the Controller comptrol- Auditor General. That's the data. Stocks of 55 types of ammunition is below accept minimum acceptable risk level at this point. Stocks of 40% of ammunition is not even enough for 10 days of intense war fighting. Um, to, to your mind, what is the risk that we are running at this point if we do not scale up uh, considerably and consistently through this year to take on twin threats? Because it's not just China. Uh, we have had multiple incursions across the indo pak border as well. In fact, there's been a sharp escalation, has there not, in terms of incursions that have happened on that front. What is the risk that we are running at this point?
4: No, I think there has been so much written on this subject in terms of the kind of security threats that we face from uh, from Pakistan on the one hand, and now and also of course on the two front scenario and two front scenario where while it has been talked about for more than a decade or so, about close to two decade, fifteen years or so, but the fact is that you are seeing in in a, uh, the two fronts, the LAC and the LoC, in a hot uh, as a hot uh, hot conflict in uh, in real for, for at this point of time. And the risks are really uh, very serious, and I don't think uh, I need to kind of uh, this has been written so much, but I, I think I'm going to leave that to jal Narasimhan to uh, come out uh, with a more from an army of, of perspective, in a sense, and the man on the ground, in a sense. But I think the in terms of these uh, security threats and challenges and managing this conflict, I think that's going to be fairly serious on our, uh on our national security. Mm.
2: Mr. Raghavan, aside from rationalization of forces, another major um, area of focus has been how to do this indigenously, both in terms of you know defense production, technology production, as also building a climate of innovation, whether it is via ISRO or DRDO. Um, on that front, what would your suggestions be in terms of how to do this to build scale going into 2021?
5: Now, I was, in fact, uh, going to speak about this because besides the uh, matter of budget allocation for acquisitions i think we need to really look at revolutionizing our acquisition processes which are inefficient and consuming and because of that get uh, budgetary i mean they they cost uh, overruns so we need to actually uh, better rationalize our acquisitions process and there again you know integrate the three services requirements and prioritize them uh, rather than uh, individually and that, this again is what the CDS is supposed to do. In addition to that, uh, we need to look very seriously at, at defense indigenization. So it's a matter of shame that 70 odd years after our independence, we are still the world's largest arms importer or second largest now uh, because Saudis have got ahead of us but we will soon reclaim the position of the largest arms importer in the world. And this. If you want to maximize your security, you need to have a vibrant defense industry. If you want to be a great power, you need to be a uh, self-sufficient, at least partly self-sufficient in your uh, defense capability. I think this is something that needs a great deal of attention. Uh, it, it's not easy because indigenization actually costs money. Uh, if you have to create, if you have to transfer technology, and more.
2: (laughs) I think we've just snapped the connection. I'm going to come back to you, sir, because I think we've lost uh, the connection with you. Uh, I will return to you. We're running short on time, only about 10 minutes to go. But I I am keen on getting from all my esteemed panelists uh, a list of what they would like to see, really, in terms of this budget, or at least in terms of uh, a narrative that is set forth. General Narasimhan, let me start with you. What would be on your on your top five in terms of what you'd like to hear, either in terms of you know concrete proposals or even in terms of intent for bolstering defense the way it needs to over the next couple of years?
0: Yeah, thanks for that question. Uh, I'll, I'll cover this plus also a couple of other points which have come up in the in the in the in the discussion that was taking place earlier. Uh, one is, you know, the basic thing is we need to go for technology and innovation. This is something I would like to see some, some, something catered for this particular thing. Because like Raji mentioned, the trust for the AI in China and us are entirely different. We are looking at people-centric social, uh, social uh, development kind of issues related to a, uh, artificial intelligence. Whereas China has given out a policy till 2030 along with funding and everything else to ensure that it becomes the world leader in AI, which includes implementation of AI in the armed forces and other things. So science and technology development and innovation is something which is which we need to be looking into in great amount of detail. The second thing is please also look at quantum technologies. Please also look at cyber, which you mentioned about quantum technologies. China is actually going leaps and bounds. We need to catch up a lot more on that cyber capabilities. We need to synergize a lot more. So this is something which we need to look at. So as far as science and technology and innovation is something that that is number one. Number two, infrastructure and allocation for infrastructure in the border areas, particularly towards the northern borders is something that we need to be actually looking at. And the third thing that we need to be looking at is the rationalization process by which we need to create some more money, which was discussed earlier. Going by that, we need to have training. Training is an important aspect that we need to be looking into, and that involves a lot of money. Actually speaking, lot lot many things were told about told about real estate. Please understand, when the cantonments came up, they were outside the cities. Now the cities have grown up and caught up with the cantonments. Now you move them further to the further to the rural areas, the city will again catch up there. So the problem that comes up is that we need to have a planned kind of kind of a deployment and planned kind of location that needs to be done. We need lot of ranges. Something to do with the ranges, acquisition of ranges is something that we need to be looking into for training purposes. Most of the ranges are now actually getting denotified, and we need to get them renotified. Uh, ammunition, you talked about ammunition. Ammunition is a thing that we need to be actually be looking at. This is another thing that for which we need the kind of budget and the money that we need to have. Please understand, the calculation for the ammunition has already been done how much intense rate is required, how much normal rate is required, how much uh, slow rate is required. These are already existing. We need to build up the capabilities of holding this ammunition and creating this ammunition stocks. So, this is something I would like to be actually looking at. And lastly, of course, all this costs money and obviously there will be some increase in the defense budget that we will be looking at
2: mr mohan kumar you made some excellent points earlier in terms of you know how money could be allocated but i want you know i want to look at this through the lens that uh, uh, the general has just set forth you know china has allocated 28% of its defense budget to training and maintenance equipment 41% we are looking at a, a defense budget of uh, you know 180 billion dollars a couple of years back um, what can the finance minister do to allay fears about our defense preparedness
1: no, I think there's nothing uh, short of, you know, giving sufficient money for this. You know, there's absolutely no way uh, we can uh, escape uh, uh, you know uh, getting money. See, we have to get money. And you uh, know, some of the points which I wanted to make was that, you know, see, uh, we are talking about the border issues. But, you know, encountering China, one of the most important aspects is the Navy, the Indian Ocean region. And they... Uh, in the ocean region, and you know, in navy, you know, we have we have to go a long way. There are many many things which are pending, and there are so many issues, uh, so many things are being debated. But at least, you know, uh, in in area of uh, getting uh, modern weapons and then uh, submarines and other things for the navy, now uh, we cannot uh, uh, delay it any longer because we need helicopters and so many other things, uh, sophisticated uh, systems for the navy. And maybe has to get a, uh, a an enhanced budget because they are trying to get eighteen percent of the budget, but uh, they have not been successful. And this time, I'm sure um, there should be better allocation for Neil. Uh, NEEL is extremely crucial for India's national uh, security strategy. Now, uh, the uh, other thing, of course, I will say is that you know this technology support because you know we have to boost technology. There has to be some condition that you know we need to have uh, some kind of leapfrogging in technology that is required, and in order to do that. Uh, we need to have a at least you know set up uh, at least ten missions uh, with DRDO and the private sector working in tandem, and uh, we should also invite the private sector to take up development issues uh, uh, very seriously. And we need to uh, induct them into the process. And then we also need to induct the private sector in uh, manufacturing in a great deal because the strategic partnership policies and other things are la- they are just uh, not moving forward. They have to be given a massive push. And uh, uh, and and last but not the least, you know, see, uh I would say uh, the reforms in the ministry. I mean the reforms are extremely important. We have been bringing out policy after policy. See the new defence uh, uh, acquisition procedure. If you see, it has more than uh, nearly seven hundred pages. So previously, in four years back, it had uh, four hundred and thirty pages. Now you see the number of pages are increasing. Are we actually increasing our efficiency? So in order to do bring that efficiency, one of the because reform that you need is in reform of the acquisition process there is already a report available in the ministry for uh, a detailed expert committee report is available for uh, uh, revamping the acquisition system ministry and uh, we should not lose any more time in uh, uh, taking up that reform and that this is with, well within the hands of the ministry of defense you know there is no money required nothing required it's only decision that is required so uh, the uh, the other point which I mentioned was was the lapsable uh, non-lapsability of funds, you know, Fine. because yeah. Ministry of Defence yeah. has to create an SPV, a special purpose vehicle into which all this money will go. It has to be done. There's no other way we can build capability with a with a clear vision. So uh, we, this calls for tough decisions, and we cannot uh, deal with business, business as usual decisions. They have to be out of the box thinking and decision making. This is what mm-hmm. I have to say.
2: Dr. Raji, I I mean, I'm asking you the same question, but I'm putting you in a tricky spot by questioning whether the finance minister can actually acknowledge the enormity of the situation before she attempts to address, uh, you know, the paucity that lies in terms of our defense requirements. Would that not be the first step?
4: No, I think that's going to be. I think she understands the uh, the, the minister, uh, and clearly understands the issues. But I think uh, the problem is, if we don't have money, then where how are we going to spend that money? Uh, so this that really brings us back to the uh, you know uh, the p- basic point about. Uh, the relatively poor economic condition, and that is especially in the post-COVID scenario, uh, is going to be even more stressful. So unless the economy performs well, there are going to be serious problems because wealth at the end of the day, that is the material foundation for all your capacity building. So unless you have that clearly out there without wealth, it's very difficult to build your military power or even defend yourself well in a sense. So here I would say, unless the uh, pie gets bigger it is going to be a serious problem in terms of how we are going to be able to modernize our forces in terms of emerging technology or even emerging technology. You need more strategy, formal policies and so on and so forth. But it also needs clear investment, whether you're talking about quantum or AI, all of that. Again, that's the thing. Uh, again, I hear in that particular context, given the uh, limited uh, pool of money that we have, I would say. Especially with regard to new technologies, emerging technologies, in that private sector as a key stakeholder in a sense. Uh, especially with cyber and so on and so forth, we have been somewhat more open. But I think even with regard to some of the other emerging technology, I think uh, private sector can come in a big way. Even in terms of defense, I think we have been talking about having in uh, the, involving the private sector in a big way. So, I, but I think certainly in terms of the emerging technology, there is uh, there is full scope there is a scope for uh, private sector participation as an active uh, stakeholder, in a sense. But I think you also need to go beyond that to look at um, the um, the CDS is talking about rationalizing. Reduce army size, because we don't need to have the largest army. That distinction need not be there. But I think you can go for uh, smart sizing of the army and i think the other aspect is to move the counterinsurgency insurgency to paramilitary forces Again, these are uh, uh, force intensive uh, operations it need not be done by the army itself it can be par- part uh, sort of uh, given away to other paramilitary forces who can be given training by the army you c- so these are Im- uh, not these are difficult decisions but impo- not impossible in a sense and if there is a clear will uh, the ministry uh, ministry uh, you, you have to have conversation between the ministry of defense and the mha uh, to to talk through some of these, how this is going to be implemented, in a sense, these are not easy but not impossible.
2: Dr. Lakshman, two minutes for you. Uh, you know, I, I, at this point, the economy needs to grow at what about eighteen percent over the next decade in order to provide all the requirements for military and not touch any other uh, any any other vertical. Uh, what would be a practical expectation from this union budget? What do you think we're going to hear for defense? You need to unmute, please.
3: I think even the present crisis at the border, so defense budget will see a uh, hike. Uh, but the, uh, and in fact, uh, the defense budget is witnessing a continuous hike over the years. But the problem was that the, the capital expenditure, which is actually key for the modernization and sustenance, certain, certain uh, was not actually increasing at a proportionate rate. So I'll be happy if the capital expenditure is uh, high by at least uh, 10,000 crore. That will give enough, that won't be sufficient, but will give enough uh, resources. For the armed forces uh, to uh, to go about their modernization. but at the same time, I would also like the finance minister to announce uh, some more reforms to improve the teeth-to-tail ratio. Now, suffice to say that the present teeth-to-tail ratio is uh, is not uh, in a good shape, and uh, Ministry of Defence is spending a lot of money on the manpower. In fact, the number of manpower, uh, the number of people who are actually funded from the Ministry of Defence is over 53 lakh, and 60 per- 61% of that is actually. The, the the retired community and uh, so that number is clearly not sustainable uh, in the long term so some 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 measures uh, need to be announced to how to contain the manpower cost over the long period and i would also like to see uh, some reforms on the uh, capital acquisition the point which was being uh, 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 emphasized by mr mohan kumar so the acquisition setup needs to be professionalized so acquisition is a complex task it deals with the contracting engineering it deals with finance and international law but uh, presently, uh, the bureaucracy, both both in the Ministry of Defense and at the service headquarters, are not actually equipped to deal with all these uh, um, uh, subjects. So, we need a professional acquisition setup uh, so that the acquisition and the modernization can actually progress smoothly. I think these are my uh, key expectations from the next budget,
2: Mr. Raghavan, apologies, we got disconnected. Uh, the last two minutes are yours, sir. What would you want to see, and what do you expect to see come the 1st of February from the finance minister?
5: Okay now firstly about the budget I mean you see what do you want the finance minister to announce in terms of increase in budget uh, I come back to my original point that you know what you what she will announce what she needs to announce depends on what you want of her in terms of, of course she's better equipped than most finance ministers because she was a defense minister before she became finance minister I, but I come back to this the issue that we need to be very clear about what we require in terms of national security let me make one point. You know, the American National Security Council does not include their finance minister, the treasury secretary. There is a message in it. The message really is that you need to first find out what you require for your national security, and then you look at the finances and how you're going to find the finances for it. And I think that is the way in which we need to go for this. Now, just two other points. I mean, as far as acquisition procedure goes, I fully agree that we need to uh, make it more uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, out of the box, and we need to look at how best we can get the best bang for our buck. And technology. What Mohan Kumar said, I like the idea a lot. We need to have a national technology mission which brings together the multidisciplinary approaches to technology because all technology is dual technology is dual use, civilian and military. And we need to bring together technology under the prime minister, let us say, as a technology mission for you to be able to find defense technologies which are viable and which can be taken forward.
2: Fantastic points from all of you. Thank you very much. It's been a cracking discussion, and I think there have been extremely cogent points that have been presented uh, in terms of what could be considered both as strategic approach, as was pointed out, and also nuanced financial uh, decisions or solutions to the situation as it lies for the defense condition for India. My thanks to all my panelists for joining in. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed watching this one. We'll be back again next Monday to discuss what the budget could deliver.
0: Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you. This was a Mint production
2: brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.